<laughs> but good morning. Merry Christmas. Tis the season to be looking. Looking for that right gift. Right? Maybe you were looking for that famous recipe. Maybe you were uh, looking for someone's flight. Right? That was coming in for this time of year. Maybe uh, looking for that Amazon package on your front porch. Maybe looking for a parking spot. Right? Lookers. That's us. Tis the season to be looking. You know, Scripture remembers people in different ways. Sarah is remembered for laughing. Moses is remembered for leading. Jeremiah is remembered for lamenting. You have Demas or Demas remembered for leaving. You have Ananias and Sapphira, they're remembered for lying. John is remembered for loving. But the two people I want to look at today, Simeon and the wise men, they were remembered for looking. For looking. Simeon is a man who knew how to wait for the arrival of Christ. And Greg, I appreciate you sharing that this morning. Thanks a lot. Lord Supper. We connected ahead of time. Make sure. The way Simeon waited for the first coming is a model for how we should wait for the second coming. Our short encounter with Simeon occurs eight days after Jesus was born. Joseph and Mary have brought Jesus to the temple. It was the day of consecration, sacrifice. It was a day of circumcision. It was a day of commemoration, a day of dedication. But for Simeon, it was a day of celebration. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, please. We'll read this account again together. Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, 
This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The Lord will bless the reading of His Word again this morning. Let's just uh, look to the Lord. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You again uh, for the best gift You could ever give anyone. You gave us Your one unique Son, knowing that uh, You would have to allow Your Son um, to be crucified at the hands of men, knowing full well that You would have to forsake Him as He became our sin-bearer. Our Father, we're thankful um, that You loved us so much that You gave us Your Son. Uh, we're thankful for this season where not only do we remember um, Your first Advent, Lord Jesus, but it's a good reminder of us too how we should prepare and wait for Thy second Advent. And so we're so thankful that although You were born, although You lived here on this earth and You died and was buried and rose again, uh, we're so thankful that You are coming back. And uh, we praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in this account, uh, it says that Simeon, he came by the Spirit into the temple. Some translations may say prompted by the Spirit or moved by the Spirit. I'm not sure if Simeon had planned to go to the temple that day, but certainly it was God's plan for Simeon to go to the temple that day. Not sure how that prompting came about. Perhaps the Uh, The prompting was a call from a neighbor. Maybe it was uh, an invitation from his wife. Or maybe just a nudge from within his heart. Not sure, but somehow Simeon knew this particular day he had to go. And this wasn't the first time, right, that God had tapped Simeon on the shoulder. At least one other time in his life, he had received a message from God. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw God's Messiah. I wonder what a message like that would do to a person. What does it do to you when you know that someday you will see God? We know what it did to Simeon. He was constantly looking for God's anointed king. He was living in expectation, it tells us, of the salvation of Israel. He watched and waited for the restoration of Israel. Picture Simeon, if you will, maybe not literally, but figuratively, he is standing on his tippy toes, wide-eyed, watching for the one who will save Israel. Haven't we like Simeon, been told of the coming Christ? Aren't we, like Simeon, heirs of a promise? Are we not prompted by the same Spirit? Luke chapter 12, if you'll turn there quickly. We ourselves have been told that Christ is coming again. We've been prompted by the same Spirit. And here Luke 
same verb is used here in this passage, tells us how we should um, respond to this. In beginning in verse 35 of Luke chapter 12, it says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Note the posture of the servant. The servant is ready and waiting. But note the action of the master. He serves them. Why are the servants cared for by the master while they sit at a feast? You see, the master loves to honor those who are looking for his return. The master rewards those who wait patiently for him. I received a message earlier this season. It wasn't a message from the Spirit of God. It was a text message. In that text message was a picture of a tie that said, greatest grandpa ever, something like that, with a little pregnancy test next to it. When I got that message, right, since the point I've gotten that message, right, guess what I'm doing? I'm ready and I'm watching for when that day comes. Look at every ultrasound picture. I get all the news as to how she's feeling. But I'm ready. I'm ready and I'm looking expectantly to that day. Where is your gaze this season? Where are your affections? Where is your focus? What are you looking for? One of the things that Simeon teaches us here when it comes to our focus and what we should be looking for is that we need to open the window of expectation. Are you looking for the coming of God with expectancy? Are you ready? Are you watching? Another example Simeon provides for us is that he was not so consumed with the not yet that he ignored the right now. Luke tells us here in this portion, Luke chapter 2, that Simeon was just and devout. He was a good and godly man. You see, Peter urges us to follow suit. Turn with me to 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter 3.
Beginning in verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what a great question, what manner of person ought you to be? Peter says, well, in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What a great question, right? What manner of person should you be? (laughs) Should you be? You see, hope for the future is not a license for irresponsibility in the present. Some are strong in waiting, but they are weak in watching. Right? We're so good at waiting that we forget to look forward. We are so patient that we are actually becoming complacent. And we are so complacent that we seldom search for Him. We seldom run to church. We seldom allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt our plans and lead us to worship so that we might see Jesus. You see, for those of us who are good at waiting, but weak at watching, the Lord Jesus says this. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. You see, church, we need to always be ready. Always. It's not about just waiting. But it's also about watching. Simeon looked expectantly to the future. And the Bible says that he was a good and godly man. He was just and devout. Peter asks us the same question. If we know what the future holds for us, what manner of person does that make you then? You see, don't wait so patiently that we lose our vigilance. And not so vigilant that we lose our patience. Titus 2, 11-13 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. I received that message from my daughter. And I remember um, having the same thoughts when my wife told me we were expecting. Was that I need to be a better man. I remember first time hearing my wife was going to have a child and I thought, man, I need to be a more godly dad. And when I heard that I was going to be a grandpa, that thought came to me again. Sometimes we get so complacent. We're so good at waiting. We're not good at watching. 
the hope that you have for the future? Does it make you want to be a better woman, a better man? Does it make you want to live a life that when God comes, he'll find you ready? There's an interesting phrase in John chapter 1. John the Baptist is with a couple of his disciples. And it says that looking at Jesus while he was walking, he said, Behold the Lamb. What an interesting phrase. As we walk with God this season, are we looking at Him? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Are we setting our, our mind on things above where He is? Or have we just become so complacent and so good at waiting that we cannot be described as Simeon was someone who is good and godly? Someone who is devout and just. You see, in the end, the prayer of Simeon was answered. He took the babe in his arms and he thanked God. One look into the face of Jesus and Simeon knew it was time to go home. It's the same with us. One look into the face of Jesus and we'll know that we're home that we're home. Are we watching and waiting for the coming of Christ? We're prompted by the same Spirit of Simeon. We've been given the same promise. Simeon, as I said, is a great model for how we should be waiting for the coming of Christ. And then just in closing, you know the story of the Magi. Again, these are men who are remembered for looking. For looking. And, you know, we had uh, Lewis and Clark, right? Portugal had Columbus. Um, the English, I just learned this year, they, they loved their Ernest Shackleton. Um, some guy came and told us the story of Shackleton at my convocation the first day of school. I paid a bunch of money to tell someone else a story. I don't know how that works, but... Um, but we all have these, you know, these lookers that we celebrate, people who sought after. But Matthew, you know who his was? The Magi. The Magi. He gives their story more square inches than the story of Mary and Joseph. He never mentions the shepherds, never mentions the manger. He does not want us to miss the star or the seekers. The one thing I just want to share with us today about the Magi is this. With the Magi comes the invitation. The great grace that God offers. Though we've made the Magi heroes, right? We've made heroes out of the wise men. The Jewish people saw them as anything but. They were outsiders. They were Persians. Astrologers. The Jews, right, they revered theology, not astrology. They scoffed at the very idea of heaven reading. God had delivered them from the tyranny of these night gazers. 
Who would have ever expected to see them throwing a baby shower for the Son of God? You see, in God's plan, the least are always first. Fishermen become followers. Tax collectors become teachers. Foreign females adorn the family tree of Christ. Jewish females cleanse the crucified body of Christ. Food for 5,000 plus comes from a kid. The finest gift comes from a widow. And worship comes from these Persian stargazers. Behold the whiff of God's mercy door. Wide enough to welcome travelers from distant lands, to welcome teachers of a deviant doctrine. You see, those who come to Christ don't need to have the right passport or come from the right pedigree. They just have to acknowledge God for who He is and bow before Him. Again, where is your gaze this season? Where do your affections lie? Where is your focus? What are you looking for? And once you find what you're looking for, what will you have? If you're looking for God, if you're looking for meaning, for peace, or for joy, for a relationship, you can only find it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 45 verse 22 says this, Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's no one else. Look unto me and be saved. In 1988, Anissa Ayala was 16 years old and diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. The doctor said that if she did not receive a bone marrow transplant after chemotherapy and radiation treatment, she would die. Neither of her parents nor her brother was a match. They could not find a donor elsewhere. Her, her parents, both in their 40s, I can relate to this, conceived another child, hoping that its bone marrow would be compatible with Anissus. To their great delight, it was determined that this new baby was a compatible donor. And when Marissa Ayala was 14 months old, they took some of her marrow and gave it to Anissa. Anissa made a full recovery from the leukemia, and both sisters lead healthy lives today. In a very real sense, Marissa saved her sister's life. She says, without me being a perfect match for my sister, she would not be here. Jesus was born into this world for the express purpose of saving us. He is the one and only Savior that can save all those who put their trust in Him. Christmas marks the day that we celebrate His birth. And without Him, we would not have salvation. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You are beautiful beyond description. You are too marvelous for words. Even too wonderful for us to comprehend. Jesus, the psalmist tells us that you have to humble yourself just to behold the heavens. Oh, how you must have humbled yourself to die on a cross. To be born as a baby to be dependent upon your mother, to subject yourself to cruelty and hostility of men. Lord Jesus, to allow those whom you had created to pierce your hands and feet. Lord Jesus, may we not lose the wonder of Christmas an artist that I've been listening to says this, we need now, we need Christmas now more than ever. That's so true. Help us as we again celebrate the birth of Christ, as we celebrate the coming of the Messiah. Help us to live lives in expectancy of your second coming. That we would be ready, that we'd be watching, that we would allow the truth, the promise of your return to affect us and change our lives, that we would not be ashamed that you're coming. We'd be watching and waiting and ready. We know how we look forward to that day, Lord Jesus. For certainly in that day when we see your face, we will know that we are home. We thank you for all that you've done to make that possible. We give you our thanks in your holy and precious name. Amen.